Coming to you live, this is your MTG Action Forward News Team. Hello, this is MTG Action 4 News, your new team for keeping things fresh in the multiverse. I'm Mr. Combo number 5, providing you new ways to lose your friends. Then we have Big Tuck, your breaking news source. Yes, and as always, remember, as a great psychic symbiote, Sigmund Freud always said, we are never so defenseless against suffering as when we love, or if you're playing against one of the GOADS decks. <laughs> Squee McGee getting caught up on meta traffic with Weatherlight Report. Oh, I'm bringing you the beat on the street. Then we have the head of CMD Tower himself. He is filling his mouth with good sense, so we got the goad to fill in. Hey. That's so, it? Yeah, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to your number six source of Magic the Gathering news. So we're going to start off the top of the cast. Oh, no! Carnage <laughs> on Sunday with 45. So uh, I kind of alluded to it last week uh, because we had a very short window from recording times because yeah. we're doing all this cramming in because so many people are going on vacations and getting out of the KC what what. Uh, so I'm talking about the doubleheader and it's funny enough because I have two of the, actually, I actually have everyone that was at that game here in the room because nice. we're recording IRL. Woo! So let's, let's talk about the GOAD game with the GOAD, Godfather <laughs> Davis and Tuck. Hi. And so, uh, the GOAD was playing his Emrakul deck. I was playing my Kyrinus and Tiro deck, which uh, came out in Bruising Builds last week. And then I believe the Godfather was playing Gerard Weatherlight Hero, his very, very bad Boros deck that I built him, because uh, that's the way to keep him magic. Right. Build yeah, him a build bad, a bad deck. deck. I'll just <laughs> scrap And then out. I believe Tuck was playing your Legends Matter. I can't remember. Abzan. Uh, yeah, uh, Kethus the Hidden Hand. Kethus the Hidden Hand. Yeah. So uh, I was pretty excited for this because I remember I, I sent my list to Goad or G Thing. Uh, before Can I we make the G thing like G H A and you know we could just not do that. Will's like, or just Will's fine. Don't make me go all the way to G string over here. And you know, because he's obviously the goat king. He's Maurice. I bow down to that. And he was like, you know, looking at this list, I'm. I don't want to play it over Cam, and I'm terrified to play it in real life. So we finally decided to play it in real life. And let me just tell you, when you have a two eight commander and you put an assault suit on it. That everyone gets oh. in, in step triggers. Everyone was so happy. It's just like a four eight. Well, and you get to put a land out and draw a card. Then he all all the Godfather had was freaking equipments. So he's like, all right, I'll just suit that up because I gotta get in the red zone anyways. Yep. So, so he threw, into, threw a quite a spike <laughs> yeah. on there and a haunted cloak. Right. So and then did he also? I think the next turn rotation he put that sounds oddly axe like a Kiri. So it was oh like, yeah, was it like a? It ended up being like a four. Oh wait, no, with the salt suit, it ended up being what was it? It was like a. It was like a ten. It was or like a six twelve. No, it would have been bigger than that because haunted. Cause haunted doesn't give it anything. The battle axe is two. Dark steel gives it plus one. Assault suit gives it plus two. Dark steel gives it plus two as well. So oh, okay. it was four. So and it was then a I six. eventually threw a uh, goat enchantment on it. Right. Yep. So it ended up being like almost like something like a ten eighteen or something close to that. Yeah. Right. Like and um. Damn it! I forgot I was going with that. But that's okay, because I'll continue the story. Uh, and so we did that around. Everyone got tired of that because the quietest spike was just doming people for half their life. Uh, so you guys, I think, destroyed it, got rid of it, whatever. Well, then um, G-Thing, or Goad, I'm just going to keep bouncing back and forth throughout the whole episode, uh, decided we're, we're that creating he a play poll as we speak. Yep. and exile some of my stuff. Yep. 
I didn't like that, so I decided to then go ahead and besmirch Ulamog, which gained control besmirch. of it, and then it goaded until my next turn. Uh, and I think I swung at Tuck, you exiled did. 20 there. Uh, but then uh, Goad got the win when he cast Emrakul, threw an Assault Suit on there, took over Tuck's turn. So Tuck hit me with an Emrakul 13, and then Tuck decided to, with Assault Suit, to hit me again for 13. And I was wrong about a rule thing, because I thought as commanders shifted... The command damage shifted with them, but you know what? We messed up that entire game because my commander hit so many different people for damage. We never kept track of the individual or the collective command damage from KT. Oh, that's a fair point. I don't know if it ever got because, like, yeah, it might have gotten close. Actually, come to think of it, yeah. like between like you swinging at you swinging at the Godfather, me swinging at the Godfather, um, could have gotten there. Yeah, I didn't even think about that because <laughs> you never think about that with K and T. Yeah, um, I will say the two highlights that. So I have a I have a tip of the hat and a wagon of the finger to the group. So the right. tip of the hat goes to Will's delivery of the news about the commander <laughs> oh, yeah. where he just set his phone down very calmly. And then I think he like stood upstairs like went and got a soda or something. Um, I'll also give a wag to the finger to the group because they mistaken they mistook me for the uh, arch enemy just because I was playing planeswalkers early in the game, and evidently mm. that was the scariest thing that was happening. So um you didn't get a lightning rager and you decided to just smack uh goat in the face yeah you didn't like, have to i let you draw cards you were your spells were cheaper and you just smack me in the face i'm not gonna lie to you i'm just like a waste of combat step it's just it's a waste of uh it's a waste of resources so yeah it was it was a fun game all right well uh squee any games you would like to talk about as per mentioned no um <laughs> i i have news so i did order a booster box to jumpstart yeah. And then they did message me and they told me it's going to be till like late August. But they told me if I cancel my order, they'll send me an M21 pre-release kit for free huh. as a makeup. So I was like, absolutely. Give me my money back. I'll but, wait till the, the price goes is, though, down. If you want to buy a jumpstart box, wouldn't it be more expensive? Yeah, but I'm going to wait till the price goes down because they said they're not going to stop printing uh, them. Yeah. So now I get a free M21 pre-release kit and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully get that back down to like 85 bucks. All right. Dang, there we go. Smart. Well, Will, any games you would like to talk about? You actually played this last weekend where I did not. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to uh, talk about the game that you just talked about because oh, yeah. that was a really fun game. Yeah. Like, I think everybody, save Davis, did, you know, something just really big. Like, <laughs> Well, technically, <laughs> Davis did when he did a Quietus spike. <laughs> right, yeah. It's sort of draining us for half. Right, okay. Uh, That's true. Now, I will say he did game, supply the uh, the equipments. The game was fun until it was almost midnight, and it was like, we want to go yeah, it's just home. Too, yeah. Luckily, we, we got the right cards out to kind of end it, so that was nice. You know, but that game was really entertaining because I feel that was one of the good ones where everybody got to do, you know, something because yeah. your, your mm -hmm. Goad deck just came out and went, oh, well, anytime a deck goes, I'm going to play Rissic Studies, Smothering Tide. Same one, turn. Same turn. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Things tend to, uh, you know, go very much in your favor. And it's kind of a negative vibe. Yes. Yeah. Agree. Every time. Hey, are you going to pay extra for that? No. I guess. You know, we got there. It was really fun. Um, I just, uh, yeah, like I said, it was a really fun game. And uh, getting hit in the face with the quietest spike didn't feel great. But. No. Thank goodness for Shadow Spear. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Talking about All Star. <laughs> we'll get, we'll, right? We would have gotten. No, we'll get into we it will this get Friday. To it. Okay, so important. All right. Tuck, is there anything you would like to talk about? No, I think I've said my piece on that. Those were two fun games. The second one went way too long, and I did. I, but again, I agree with Will where everyone got to do something that they wanted to do. We got to actually. It was one of those rare games where I've actually gotten to. I haven't played that Kethis deck too many times since I built it, so it was actually fun to like see draw it. the cards and like actually have the option to go find different things sure. and you know find it 
if I have answers and that sort of stuff. So yeah, it was really fun. And again, I just forgot how fun it is to like actually be in a room where more than two people can talk at once. So. Yeah, well, that's fair. <laughs> and I will say, uh, Will, aka Goad, if you haven't figured that out already, went two and zero that night. Oh yeah, that's right. <sighs> gotta take good. him down a peg. Yeah, Dude, really gotta do. go slash his tires. I was helping people. Uh, I believe notice. that means you're on notice. Yeah, no, you are. No. On, you're on notice. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to wrap up 40 Life in a Dash. Now to cover what's going on in your local multiverse, what's the plane chase? So, uh, you know, when we mentioned last week that we had asked our uh, patrons and our Discord, what kind of topics would you like to hear about? And I believe it was Nick the Hotness mentioned, mm -hmm. I would like to see how you guys, what's your template for deck building? And so I started to kind of think about it, and I, I really think that our channel approaches it differently than the other channels from a holistic perspective. Like I know command zone and I think goldfish even they have these very hard set rules. You got to have so many card yep. draw. I think it's like 50 total ways of ramp, including your lands. And right. like, I, I don't like doing that. And I think that's kind of part of the reason that me and tuck decided to kind of start what was just a podcast last summer with and talking about like more grains and hops and yeast and spice because we really do approach deck building a little bit different. So what we're going to do is this will be a four-part series. Woo. When will the series complete? Who really knows? <laughs> could, be, uh, could be 2022. Could be three weeks. It could be in three years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just figured that these would be good topics, you know, when we don't have new sets to talk about or bannings or anything interesting. Fill this in. Which may so, never happen again because there's a new set coming out pretty well every week. Yeah, for real. Um, so what we thought we would each do is we've each pick, picked two of our decks um, that have either been featured on past broods and builds episodes, maybe ones that have been talked about ones that could be talked about in the future. Um, and we're just going to give you like the, the 10,000 foot highlight of, Hey, this is roughly, you know, how many grains I probably have in the deck, or if you have it online and you have it sorted out, you can say exactly uh, what was the thought process behind it. Did the commander or the color combination influence it? Because I do think it's a fluid conversation. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. All right. Well, I'll start it off with uh, a deck that was featured on Bruise and Builds episode 31. So this is Yarok makes a trigger, 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 trigger. <laughs> so uh, Yarok the Desecrated, <laughs> if you're not familiar, it's two colorless Sultai. That is the black, green, and blue uh, legendary creature, elemental horror, and it has death, touch, and lifelink. But it says if a permanent entering the battlefield... Oh, who needs their glasses oh, now? Baby. It's really blurry. Yeah, oh, yeah that's Sorry, called I, your I eyes. Forgot. I work in IT. I'll just zoom. Uh, if a permanent entry the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control the trigger, trigger that ability in initial time. So I have 24 grains in the deck. Um, I loosely built this off of Yaz's deck uh, off of a Command Clash episode way back when. And so what I tried to do when I when I looked at Yarok and I was like, okay, how am I going to build out my grain? So my setting my board state, my ramp, my card draw, those types of things. I really leaned into a healthy balance of standard things like Zendikar Resurgent, Cultivates, um, and things to that nature, but then also a lot of the ETB type of effects. I needed things like your Sad Robots, I needed things like mm -hmm. your uh, Wood Elves, because Soltai is actually, I think, one of those kind of multiple color combinations that really don't have an issue with ramp. Right. You got yeah, green, right. you got black and blue even does it a little bit. Yeah, right. So you got, you got a very healthy there. And so, but I didn't want to go all the way into Yarok mm -hmm. because then if you guys smartly get rid <laughs> so of Yarok, over and over and over. <laughs> then it's, I'm, yeah. I'm going to keep paying seven to nine to 11, but then you can't go completely away from the ETB types of effects because then 
what what good is your commander even doing for you? So a so question for you on that. What is your land count to what's your land count in the deck? So the land count in the deck is 38. OK, perfect. And then how many grains do you have? 24. OK, wow. All right. That's a grainy boy. But granted, that, 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 some of the grains, yeah, though, are like heavy chunk. curio. Right. That you kind of blend a little bit. Right, right. OK, cool. Yeah. And like I think like you said, I think what we'll what we'll see is each deck is dictated by the commander and most importantly, oh, sure. like the color combination yeah, as well. Absolutely. So, that's absolutely. Not, so it's not particularly surprising to me that in like a green deck, you have that much ramp. Mm -hmm. Now, and do like you have lands. like a, a, a set number of lands that you try to target for any given deck or at least a set minimum? Yeah, I actually do. Um, 34. That's my minimum. Yep. Uh, that I'll run into right. deck. Um, and my pretty consistent number I run into deck is... 34. <laughs> so, uh, Just keeping it easy. Keeping yeah, it I, 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 so actually, every land he buys is worth more than my car. 38 actually kind of makes me want to cut some lands mm -hmm. out and add in some other cards. Um, I don't, I feel like if you build your deck, this sounds bad, but intelligently. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Uh, if you build it well, <laughs> I use and, my binder. and you put some thought into it, you should be able to get away with 34 lands because you have the healthy balance of creatures and mana mm -hmm. rocks that Correct. help smooth that out. And nothing feels worse than turn seven, eight, nine, and 10. Draw a card, land, pass. Yep. Draw a card, land, pass. And how many times have we seen that all happen at the tables that we play at? And it's like, man, that sucks. But then they probably have 39 lands in the deck or 38 lands. Yeah, that's you true. So I know we're going out of... Uh, can I go next whenever we're yeah, done with this? Yeah, sure. Whenever, I know we're going to go in out order, but I think like you talking on that leads really well into the, what the deck I want to talk about. So okay. I want to talk about our, my Prosh deck, which okay. is our first episode we ever did. Um, and it was also the first deck I ever made. Oh, okay. And I think we're going to see, I think there's just looking at now and having this conversation and comparing it to the next deck that we'll talk about, which I made a little bit later. I think, I think a lot of the stuff that you're talking about will ring true, right? So mm -hmm. for those who don't know, uh, it's Prosh, go look it up. You know who it is if you're playing the game. I'm not going to go through all that, but, um, so I have 38 lands in it, which hmm. is interesting, right? That is And then I only have 19 grain for a six drop commander. So, but what's really interesting huh. to me is like, we talked about how when I built this, this was like super aggressive with the land base, right? And okay. um, the grain profile, just in terms of like, from a very narrow perspective is really interesting because there's a lot of stuff in here, like um, Bitter Blossom, for example, which to me is a grain because oh, there's so many sacrifice abilities. Um, there's also cards like Ashnod's Altar and the and Frixian Altar and that sort of stuff on top of like the rampant growth. Okay. But I think with the, when I've thought about this and to your point, when I built this, it was like the battle cruiser format, right? And it's like you're gonna have plenty of time to go in and you don't want to miss your land drops, right? Yep. You wanna make sure that you have your draws and all that stuff. Um, so honestly, I think what I really need to do is cut a land or two out of it. Find like, I don't know, probably like a, at this point, I think I have like three fetch lands, so I don't need evolving wilds or anything like that. Yeah. Like cut that and put in like an arcane signet that I have piles of from my precons, right? Yeah. Because I, th I think like, I think what the amount of grains dictate is also how fast the game has become. Okay. And how there's such, there's such a deluge of low, right. low costed mana that like the arcane signets, um, soul rings, fellow stones are becoming more popular, mana like commander crypt. spheres. Yeah. All that different stuff. Um, so I think like the day of having like 38 lands in a battle cruiser deck is probably gone and it'd yeah. be better to have a slightly lower land base, but a little bit more aggressive of a ramp of a grain package. Hmm. Interesting. No, I'd agree with that. Um, and I mean, honestly, at this point, cause you probably haven't updated Prosh in so long, you could probably cut out two lands and there's probably two very cheap mana dorks. You could literally just a gilded goose. You yeah. probably don't have one right. in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good sack fodder for later. Yeah, no, I completely agree. All right. Who's up? 
Who wants to do it? And actually, do it. Does anyone here? Does anyone here have a Gilded Goose? Do I, I, I don't. Uh, I think Sorry, aren't I they still expensive? Uh, I don't think so. I know they were playing standard. No. They're probably worth like four or five bucks still. I would imagine. What dollars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, we're talking Canadian bucks here. Well, how about this? L- Guest Louis. of the cast, Goad. What's the uh, kind of first deck you want to talk about and how you put together your green package? All right. So uh, we're going to start off with uh, my commander, pretty recently built, uh, Iluna Apex of Wishes. Oh. Uh, he is a 6 6 flying trampler and uh, he has mutate. Which is a whole can of worms, but we'll just get into the uh, we'll just get into the ability he comes with. Whenever this creature mutates, exile exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land permanent card. Put that card onto the battlefield or into your hand. So I think it's really kind of funny uh, that I'm going immediately after Big Tuck on this one because I'm on the completely opposite side of the spectrum when it comes to my grains. <laughs> When you mentioned that, uh, when you brought up this topic when we were, you know, chatting earlier today, yeah. I was I just started going through my decks and I realized I am a very grainy boy. <laughs> this deck uh, set uh, like if you can the mutate cards, they kind of serve a dual purpose. So sure. I just decided to add them into the grains just for numbers sake. This deck has 46 grain cards in it. Good. Whoa. That, that does not include lands? Uh, that does not include the lands. 46? Wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's like three quarters of the deck. Yeah. I, I would say, how do you win? But wait, we've seen you win with lands. <laughs> is that the yeah. one that we saw? Yeah, it, it wins with either a uh, Primal Surge. It's the oh. old, you know, Primal no, Surge. No, that's combo. a different one we saw. We saw oh. the one with the counters, remember? Oh, that, no, yeah. That, night, right. that nightmare. That night. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I win with Primal Surge. Um, just winning with absolute value because each one of those mutators could also be considered a hop in that regard because they get me that extra oh, sure, permanent right, into right. play. So I just thought it was really funny that you're like, oh, I have 19, <laughs> and I, and I'm just like, oh well. So I got 46. Did, did you do you do that on purpose? So when you're building a deck, are you like, I need all the value possible, or does it just naturally you just gravitate to the stuff you don't even realize it in this specific case for iluna that was intentional because a lot of the cards that i have in the deck um are like i said they serve a dual purpose like a couple of my cards that i use um to protect iluna um you know are like crystal shard and erratic portal which let me reuse the commander's okay oh sure and then i have some other cards you know that are just big boys by themselves like nezahal Okay. Mm. And uh, then I've also sitting over and just straight up card advantage. Uh, there's like lurking predators, minds dilation. I know that's a lot of cards that we just mentioned right there. <laughs> but uh, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, ask Dear Squee. Oh, uh, yes. Like yep. Yes, please. <laughs> like yep. Please. So, what's your, before we migrate over to Squee's first one, what's your land count? Land count is at 35 real lands. 81 and then grain cards. <laughs> and Wait. then one Dryad Arbor. <laughs> So you got 36 plus <laughs> 40 what? Uh, 36 plus 40. This is 82. Yep. Seems a little aggressive. You have 18 <laughs> cards in the deck that do anything but ramp. And yeah, I mean, the say, the like I said, the, the big thing with all those mutators is I dig through the deck fast. Right. And I'm able to get out some <laughs> big things. I will, so, wow. I will also say I'm... I think that over the time of us doing this, we've also gotten better at slotting things into other things, so we'll have a better chance of talking about them. Yeah. For yeah. for for example, uh, I was looking at my prosh deck, Frixie and Arena, probably not a hops card. No, it's there. probably not. I don't know. So, anyways, um, so I think I think if you if you adapt this style of building, you will start 
you'll start like recognizing patterns of like, oh, that's actually really more of like a hop or a yeast or that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, granted, yours makes no sense at all. I don't know where that is. But sometimes right cards, depending on the commander, can flip, yes, you know, kind of be fluid from, sure. from category sure. to category. So, Squee, what's the first deck you want to talk about? So, I wanted to go a little different route and go into Kakusho since it's a mono deck and it takes forever. <laughs> to ramp up to get Kakusho out there, sure. and then all the cards you have to play to bring Kakusho back are super expensive. It's quite a grind. So in this deck, I have forty lands. Wow, forty. Okay, like and straight not out the board. Deck. <laughs> yeah, and we're talking forty lands, and I think I have like off the top of my head like ten or fifteen different grain cards that would be mana rocks or hmm. things that allow your swamps to tap for double that type of stuff. Okay. The reason for that is because the deck is so slow and it takes so long. Once you actually get up and running, it needs to be backbreaking. You need to be ready to mm -hmm. go and you need to have a bunch of lands and they need to keep coming. Yeah. Because you're going to be playing one, two, three, four, two to five cost spells a turn if you can. So you really have to beef that whole thing up. So like this is, I, I wanted to talk about it because it's kind of abnormal because it's a, a monocolored deck. You think it'd be pretty simple. You don't need a bunch of lands to, to mana fix or anything yeah. like that. All you need is swamps and some artifacts. But outside of that, to me, I needed a bunch of mana rocks that I could keep putting out even late game because late game is when you start getting into the red zone and you start actually getting close to killing people. And that's when people start freaking out. So you got to play all your best spells. And then you put in, say in that deck, I probably have six or seven creatures that cost over six like they're the big black creatures mm -hmm. you dump onto the board they bring back all the graveyards that type of stuff so um that deck's a little abnormal but don't be too scared every once in a while to dump a whole bunch of mana into deck if it needs it kind of like the goad was saying you know 80 82 sure. green cards might be a little excessive <laughs> i mean i'm still sitting in kakusha at like 56 or 7 yeah what kind like of beer that. would that be like 80 oh. <laughs> percent davis uh, the godfather just brought that over so uh so the thing the thing with grains on beers is the more grains that you use the more alcohol content they are because oh, like because okay. more sugar comes out from uh the more sugar comes out from the more the grain itself, yeah. Grains in it. Okay. So like if you're making so these like and spoiler alert, I just looked at this as well. My next deck has 30 grains that I'm gonna talk about. So these would all be like quads, imperial porters, <laughs> like twelve. But I believe by your logic though, you could say that the more grains you have, you'll eventually get to a point where it's too sweet. Yeah, I agree. Too sweet. Could be. Yeah. Too much like, grain means too much sugar means it's too sweet. Sometimes that's how those like candied stouts turn out that way too. That are like nine percent, but taste you like. Know you're cherry. talking over my head. Yeah, I, I don't drink this horse will. Okay. Uh, well, so you horse know that's, that's interesting. So I mean, how do you? So you just talked about ramp, but you know, grain can kind of also encompass setting your board state and right. card draw. So how do you handle that in your Kakusho deck? I or mean, do you primarily focus your grain on ramp because you just know yeah. there's there I cannot. Almost the entirety it. of Kakusho is ramp. I mean, there's like your Phyrexian Arenas and a couple little draw spells and things like okay. that. Like, I guess you could say Sack Outlets would be considered into that package in a, in a Kakusho deck because it's necessary. But yeah, I would say it's it's 85% ramp mm. and then 15% draw cards, Sack Outlets. Because sure. most of the Sack Outlets will sit onto the board and sure. they won't go anywhere for a while. Um, so you can keep reusing them. And once you get two or three, people aren't going to blow them all up. Right. They just kind of give up at that point on getting rid of your sack outlets. So, yeah, it's extremely ramp heavy in that deck. Okay. Uh, well, my last one that I'm going to talk about actually got featured on Bruising Builds episode 16. This is uh, my want to pay six life for that deck, Ruik Thar. Um, and as a quick, you know, refresher, because that's been, God, 
almost 40 episodes ago. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Rukthar, the unbowed, four colorless gruel, uh, vigilance reach, and he attacks each combat if able. But the big thing with him is that if any player casts a non-creature spell, they take six to the face from him. To the face. It. So I have... Uh, it says 37 lands, but really it's like 35 because there's like Maze of Ith type stuff. Um, it says and I got 27 grains. So I actually do my Rook Thar deck a little bit different than other people, considering a lot of people just make this a 100% creature deck, right. and I do not. <laughs> uh, I run 40 creatures, and so that's 23 non-creature spells that I have left. Um, and so the way I kind of built my grain section here, because that's the negative of a creature only deck. If you don't have a way to give them haste, it's not like a cultivate where potentially you get immediate right uh, benefit because you get that one lane to hand. And maybe you miss your land drop and you could play it. You know, if I play an Elvish Mystic, I can't tap it. So it's just mm-hmm. I paid a man and I got to wait a turn. So I try to do a healthy balance in my grain of the cultivates and Kadama reaches of the world, mirrored landscape type of effects were very, very important because that's right. a way that I can ramp when Rukthar's on the battlefield and it won't hit me for six. But then I had to do other effects like Treasonous Ogre, paying life to get right, mana. Right, right, And so it, that's kind of how I had to approach Rook Thor. It was definitely a challenge because, you know, you couldn't just jam every single green and red ramp sorcery instant you could, like you would in a normal deck to just mm-hmm. ramp as quick as you can. Because Rook Thor, yes, you could do it all immediately, turn one, two, three, four. But once he gets on the battlefield, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm, not paying, I'm not paying six life for that rampant growth on yeah, turn absolutely seven. Not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I also kind of had to do, so I feel like with Rook Thor to build a good deck, and I feel like my Rook Thor is actually a pretty good deck, even though I never play it. Um, you have to have also a healthy balance of the really, really explosive creatures for mana, like Silvala Heart of the Wild, Oracle Moldaya, uh, Sylvan Library type of effect. Mm-hmm. So, Sometimes if your commander has a negative drawback to it, whether it's the colors that it resides in or its effect, that can sometimes dictate how much money you end up having to spend on the deck sure. if you want to avoid that impacting you as much. No, I agree with that. And like uh, again, it's green's tough because you like one of the major reasons to run green is just to run these sort of effects. Yep. So it's like yep. hard to resist that siren call and be like um, it's not like a Nikia deck where you it's, you can't cast on creatures. So yeah. it's like the thing that I like I like that style with the way that you've done your Rurik Thor because you're like if I'm in a pinch and I do need to get to eight nine mana to get whatever else yeah. out, I can take six once or twice, mm-hmm. maybe probably only once and get <laughs> maybe. there. Yeah, you know you never know. <laughs> yeah, those type of effects like Rurik Thor are very different when you're in control of your own destiny versus yes. somebody else sitting on a handy counter spell going <laughs> well, <Yep>. darn <laughs> and, and, and it's over. All right. Well, Tuck, since we went a little out of order, we're going to continue going out of order. Hey. So why don't you go next? So uh, I want to talk about the exact opposite of my Prosh deck. Um, and this deck was uh, 41 uh, Bruise and Build. So it feels like it was way longer ago than that. Where I want to talk a little bit through a monocolor deck. So okay. I want to talk about Unesh, uh, Cryosphinx Sovereign. Okay. So uh, she, it, he, I honestly can't <laughs> tell. Uh, mostly because it's a Sphinx. Uh, so she, let's just go she, why not? Four colorless, actually, let's go with it. Uh, four colorless, two blue for four, four flyer. Um, legendary creature Sphinx. Sphinx spells you cast cost two less to cast. When it enters the battlefield, another Sphinx, you mini factor fiction for four. So um, when I first built this deck, uh, before, this was a long time ago when I was in Chicago. Yep. Really? Um, I, it was like very battle cruisery. Okay. And I started realizing that 
your commander's gonna get killed a bunch of times and then you're left with a bunch of sphinxes that cost a lot so now i'm like looking at it again i have 31 grain cards in it and 35 lands and i've noticed since i've kind of taken that idea of a little bit more explosive a little bit more consistency in mana rocks and mana reduction abilities the deck itself has become a lot smoother okay so i think there was a time where i went down to like 33 lands because it's monocolor and who cares yeah and then it. and and then i was like well i'll just draw them never sure. did so i was like all right like let's, <laughs> let's start back a little bit and i think something that's interesting from this grain profile versus because a lot of like there are just like the normal artifacts but since there's no black or green to like draw cards oh, turn over turn over turn or green to ramp a lot of the ramp is actually a lot of the grain is like inclusive to this deck only mm -hmm. right so i think that's something that like this deck is more in line with your yarrick deck okay where there's certain cards like a lot of my sphinxes in here kind of do ancillary stuff but sure. mostly they're just costed so i can like keep the sphinx train going sure so in that in that regard they're kind of more of a grain so um it's just been it's interesting to look at two decks that both kind of win went through effectively combat or creature styles yeah. and to see them radically different in in the build and the grains and everything well i just don't have the pleasure of being in blue which we all know is the best color in all the magic <laughs> so i concede to that but no I, I think that's actually a good point to where you said you started to add in more of the grain and land type of effects and then boom the deck was more consistent mm -hmm. it probably made it less like heart attacking like there's some decks where i'm like Oh god, I'm gonna draw this card. I know it's not gonna it's be not land. Land. Yeah. And it's the like, oh, <laughs> Or it's gonna come in tapped right, or something right. stupid oh like that. Oh my god, like, yes. Oh. Right, right. Or right. it's like a deck I haven't played forever and it's like a tap try land. It's like, like, why oh, are you in here? Oh, great. <laughs> You're trash. <laughs> goad. We'll goad. We'll goad. We'll goad. We'll goad. We'll goad forever. <laughs> uh, what is your last deck you want to talk about? Well, I actually wanted to kind of swing the pendulum back to uh, different, the other side because I, uh, when I was going through it, I found a deck of mine that's not as much of a grainy boy. Um, this deck is one of my more popular ones. It's Marisi Breaker of the Coil. Oh, oh sure, yeah. mm -hmm. the, the OG, yeah. intimately familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I love this deck, but uh, this we deck, don't. Oh, okay. Uh, the other no, side. I'm kidding. We do like it. But <laughs> I, I, hate I know you do. On I the know. other, this one's on the other side of the spectrum for grains. It only has 18. Whoa! How yep. many lands? Uh, 35. Wow! Yeah. Interesting. Look at okay. you. You yeah. went from 81 to what? I don't even want to do 50, the math. 53. Uh, 53. Yep. Yeah. And both of them have access to green, right? The other one, the mutate yes. one, does as well. Whereas the other one was more like I'm going to just want to get so much value. I just mm -hmm. want to win with grains. This deck is on the other side where. The goal is to get the commander out, and then the game plan's online. Ah, so okay. we so once we get the commander out, then we want to transition over into your into your hops by doing getting the goading out there. You mm. know, making the game a little bit more exciting because I know how much you guys love it. <laughs> I mean, at least he forces us to go into combat. <laughs> I like how me and Mr. Combo have the exact same reaction. <laughs> uh, like, well, but like that's so. I th do you think? Do you also think that because Rukthar costs six? Yep. Prosh costs six, Unesh costs six, Kukoshu costs six. Yes. Right? So, do you think that because Marisi herself four. is four, that that came into how that played out at all in terms of like the land base and how consistently you can get your commander out? Yeah. Because I know that deck, like all the decks we've talked about, is all the decks we've talked about so far have been like fairly top down. Sure. So, do you feel like that factored into how you made your decisions of, of the grain profile and land base? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember. This deck has been through many different versions, and one of the first versions, um, can't I wouldn't be able to think of it off the top of my head, but it had like so many other ramp cards mm. and trying to draw things. And I found that 
after a little while, I was starting to lose control of the combat step. And I was like, man, I really wish I had a, I really wish I had another thing that could help me goad somebody. Right. Everything started up again. So it definitely, uh, like I said earlier, once Marisi is in play and I have a creature or two along with it, we can, we don't need grains anymore. We can just start <laughs> We're going. We don't need grains. We are beyond grain. Because at that point, either I'm going to go the table into a loss or I'm going to lose. In which case, either way, it's no longer my problem. He's <laughs> turned in to the east. It's very, yep. very holistic look at it. Yep. <laughs> That's interesting. So uh, I, it's just... It's just hard to imagine a green deck not having a lot of green type of effects because green is the best for card draw. It's the best for ramp. It's oh, it's greater removal it, now. It, greater it's removal. Got, yeah. it, it's sneaking up on being the best. It is. I mean, yeah, it's right there with blue. I've been on this green train since like what 98, 99. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Finally paid off. <laughs> uh, sweet. What is the last one you want to talk about? All right. So I kind of want to talk about a combo of all of them because I'm going to more talk in my backside about in my backside about <laughs> <laughs> we lost we lost control. We're off the rails here. So I'm talking out my ass about the last four decks that I have apparently. Um, so I averaged out the the grains that I have across the other four decks that I run, and it averages at like 63. Okay. So I think that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, is that's going to be my target number between lands and cards that you have, mana rocks, creatures, all of that, that go together and in a deck leave you enough cards that you're going to be drawing heaters pretty often. I think one in every three cards should be a yeasty kind of effect. Or Well, that'd be two out of three cards. If you're at 60-something, that leaves 30... Hops and yeast. Four right, cards. so one out of three. Two out of three are grain, one out of three Oh, hops. yeah. And grain. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Matt, he's got it. He's, he's killing it. I zoned it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so I want, uh, effectively, I want to have one out of every three cards in almost all the decks that I build. And this includes Reese, Akiri, uh, Gorm, and then I have... Uh, I think it's a Marianne deck. I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember the name of the commander. I haven't played it yet because we've been playing online. It's a steel stuff deck, and it just oh, doesn't, right, can't yeah. do it. So, uh, But all four of those put together average is 63, and I think that's just about right. 63, 64, something in that range where you get two-thirds of your cards are going to be grains. So you draw your, ye- your yeast card. Great. You know the next two are most likely going to be something that's going to build into that. Once you play that, then you draw another one. So every couple sure. of turns, you have this rotation going where yeast, ramp, ramp, yeast, ramp, ramp, yeast, ramp, ramp. Is that, that a new kind song? Of, I kind of like it. Yeast, ramp, ramp, yeast, ramp, ramp. I guess I can make that the new, the new theme song for CMD Tower if oh, you want. The, the new Pink Royal. <laughs> we, they, they truly will be RIP. Yeah. All this, all, this, all their, uh, what is it? Uh... Dividends from all the money we're giving them. Oh man, yeah, just, they're they're cleaning house. So it's interesting. You kind of talk about sixty three being your goal. So the one thing I wanted to do to challenge that is look at my CEDH deck because that's one uh-huh. that traditionally you run very few lands. Mm-hmm. Like right. I got thirty lands in this deck, um, which actually I think is probably higher than probably the goads add. You're probably what twenty eight, twenty nine. Um. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Let okay. me circle back to me here in a second. Uh, but I got 32 green cards <laughs> Whoa. in the deck. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Tons. And that's because in CEDH, it's like I want to play a land and then go Mana Crypt, Grim Monolith. Right. I want to try right. to get out as many low-cost Mana Rocks But if you have 32 grains, how many lands do you have? Probably 30. 30? So you're still in the magic yeah. number. And, and that's what's surprising is I figured I would be lower because I do so few of the lands. Right. But 
I guess just in CEDH, you're just making it right. up in the mana rocks. Well, and, you right. need, and correct me if I'm wrong, in CEDH, a turn, like a land go turn is like a waste and it's going to put you way behind, right? Yeah, correct. unless you have counter magic type stuff. Yeah, right. But if, you, but if you're like, doing. I can't do anything right now That's and I'm no instance, you're like, you're like, Sandbag, Other than turn right? one, turn one, you are allowed to like land pass. But if you go turn two, land pass, oh, you're you're like but you're yeah, so you're far behind in a good place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that that's super interesting, huh? Yeah, I, I do like that because I think it's to me, and I kind of like I build my grain section competitively, and then I build my use section super uncompetitively because I don't <laughs> like those stupid ass cards, but. Um, I come like, out really hot and hard. Like but I have no way to seal the deal. I really do take pride in the way that I ramp. Like I want to have cards that ramp really, really well together, which is why I like Reese so much because you can have one ramp or one grain card per, per se would tap for eight or nine mana a turn. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the most efficient thing you could do. So if you get more of those, say your Elvish Guidance and you know a couple others that are on the board, then you can tap for 16, 24 mana with three cards on the board. So it's more about maybe no. quality of grains and less quantity of grains to me. Where your quality of grains, if you can figure out how to do it without buying a guy's cradle or something <laughs> like that, uh, which I haven't done and I plan to never do because I don't think it's it keeps ever going up and uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> excellent. I saw one on Craigslist for five hundred dollars oh yesterday. So, anyways, yeah. um, but I think yeah, look at the quality of your grains and how they synergize with what's in your deck, and the more you play it, the more you'll get into that. But I wanted to talk about more of my magic number, which is generally outside of Cuckoo Show, 60 to 65. Sure. I mean, actually, I think that's a good number to be at. Between between draw and between draw and ramp spells, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's probably to have a deck that's like consistent, which we've started talking a little yeah. bit more mm -hmm. about. Because yeah, it has to be consistent. Yeah. You can't have three or four turns in mm -hmm. a row in a four-person game. You're going to get slaughtered. Yeah, right, right, right. No, agreed. So hopefully that was able to be beneficial for you guys. I know we didn't exactly, other than Squee at the very last minute, give you like a hard and fast, but I think that's the point of this discussion. There is no hard and fast. You gotta right. have this many and this many and this many. Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, we've done Bruise and Builds episodes, or I say we, the other guys. Right, our alternate <laughs> dimension. Our alternate dimension right. Yeah, right. Um, have done episodes where there have been decks with no tutors. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there have been decks with no board wipes. Right. So hello, <laughs> or, or like very low card draw, but piles of land ramp. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it, there, there is no right or wrong answer. I think the best thing is you start with your commander and you kind of sit down, you set it up, you sit in a chair, and you get real close, nose to card, and you just really look into its soul and say, <laughs> "What do you want?" Also, what are you worth? <laughs> and also, what are you wearing? <laughs> now we got real dark. And also. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to wrap up What's the Plane Chase. Now that last segment, Squeeb dives into those creative juices with the weather label. Welcome back to the Weatherlight Report, coming to you live from Weatherlight Chopper 4. I'm Squee McGee, so uh, today we are talking, uh, what is it, Demir, Blue Black, am I Blue right on that? Yeah. Yep. Alright, we're getting there, we're He's learning all this, we're getting good. Hey. Uh, we're talking Kells Fight Fixer. Yeah. yeah! Yeah! I told you guys it ruled, I yeah. knew it! Yeah, this card's cool. Uh, so, two colorless, two black, legendary creature... Ezra Warlock, if you can find any other tribal for that. Uh, they are, are out of Battle Bond, but I believe most of them are not in those colors. Uh, also a rare. Uh, then it has Menace, so whenever you sacrifice a creature, you may pay a Hybrid Demir if you do draw a card. And then for one colorless, sacrifice a creature, Kel's Fight Fixer gains indestructible until end of turn. It's a 4-3. Woo, woo, woo! What? This thing's... I could spell it forever. <laughs> oh, I, I don't K-E-L like Keenan and Kel. 
yeah, so we talked about this on my, this was my jump legend start. off yep. of Jumpstart, uh -huh. and I'm still hot on it, and I hope I can open one of my box I'm picking up tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, you're picking up your box tomorrow? Yeah. Ooh, that's exciting. I don't know what I'm going to open it, though. <laughs> So, anyways, tough decisions. It is. Well, uh, so, Mr. Combo, I came in hot for our... It's a celebratory night here. We're recording a couple of different things, and we're having a good time. We're back in person, IRL, Ooh, if you yeah. will. Yep. Uh, so, I wanted to start off with the Planeswalker. Oh, okay, And man. I wanted to start off with the Jace at that. Oh, nice. The Mind Sculptor! That's a bunch of big Oh, my God. <laughs> no, so we're starting off with Jace Arcane Strategist. So, it Ooh. is an expensive boy. Four colorless, two blue. Legendary Planeswalker Jace. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Plus one, draw a card. Oh. Minus seven, creatures oh, you I control guess this can't the be blocked this turn. Deck yeah. box one. I was about to say, yeah. I have never seen this card before. <laughs> right. Yeah, so essentially you can use this to beef up your commander, which it, Voltron's really not the strategy here, but it's not a bad one to have with you, like almost infinite indestructible yeah. coming at you. I, I, li I like the. I like the sacrifice value but then the backup is the voltron with right her too. exactly so she's got yeah, the menace yeah. and that other stuff so i agree with you yeah exactly so this card is built to beef that up it feeds into your draw card strategy so whenever you draw a card you pay whatever mana is available which is unless you're sitting on a soul ring or something it's going to be mm -hmm. a colored mana uh and then at the very end if you get to the minus 70 it starts at four loyalty so a couple of turns if nobody blows it up it's not the most threatening like <laughs> planeswalker so i doubt people are really going to come in heavy at this person um you get a creatures you control can't be blocked this turn, and then you can swing through with whatever you got. Yeah, I'm gonna say this right now. If you minus seven this guy, you're in a real bad spot. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a good minus seven. If we could rank all the big minus abilities in the world, this is dead last. Here's the okay. I'll I'll do you one more. This card is two dollars and seventy one cent. Narset part of the veil is eighty cents. <laughs> <laughs> these are but i like it I, I like i like you don't get to see we talked about this before in a couple episodes about how you don't get to see these ever so yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I think it's kind of well and i think the cool thing about this particular jace if i am going to give it some selling point is his plus you one don't have to is basically you draw a card and it automatically is going to put a plus one plus one counter on your creature because right. you can only do it during your turn so you've already done your draw yeah. step yeah and very rarely do you see a war or the new planeswalkers that are like these saga or these types of enchantments mm -hmm. via planeswalkers you very rarely do you see the plus one immediately feed into the top. They're usually yeah. all their own yep. independent effects. Yeah, so I do kind of like that. And actually, I think that'd be cool if they could do that into the future to where whatever the plus ability is directly it ties into, into whatever yeah. static. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's a lesser known Jace. So there you yeah, go. For like all it. you for all you Jace haters, here's a here's a normal <laughs> Jace. It's all fine. Um, Bet so, you can't find a normal Teferi. <laughs> no. Fit <laughs> faced. <laughs> So the next card I want to talk about, you've, I've, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's Chasm Skulker. Hey, it just fits really well in here. Yeah. Um, so two colorless and a blue creature squid horror rare. Whenever you draw a card, put a plus one plus one counter on Chasm Skulker. So that feeds directly into oh my this gosh, whole yeah, shit. Right. Uh, when Chasm Skulker dies, create X11 blue squid creature tokens with Island Walk, where X is the number of plus one plus Ooh, one yeah. counters on Chasm Skulker, which also feeds into this whole sacrifice rigmarole. Yeah. Uh, bringing that back, it's been a while. Oh, yeah. Um, I couldn't ask for a better card for three mana, one one that sits out there. It feeds into both things that you could possibly do and on the board, and I don't know. I like it. It's I do, too. and it also feeds into the Jace thing because you can always put the counter on it, mm -hmm. and then you can also sacrifice it to Kells to give her Instructable and get all your little Squiddy boys out. Mm -hmm. So I know you've probably seen this card out in the wild before. Oh yeah, I actually run it in the in a, quite a few of my decks. Yeah. I'm really surprised <laughs> to see it's worth a little over seven dollars. What? Yeah. What? what? 
I don't I believe $2. that. Forty cents. Yeah, yeah. I was to say when I looked at it, seven dollars is is it? You're losing a goat. All right, what we got? What we got? Is next that what week? you've been telling people when you've been trading them chasm skulkers? No, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Uh, okay, so the next card I wanted to talk about is really, really good, and I don't know why I don't have it in my Kakusho deck. Actually, it's Vampiric Rites. I don't know Ooh, what I'm doing. Yeah. Like one black enchantment, uncommon for a black and a colorless. Sacrifice a creature, you gain one life and draw a card. That's really, really good in here. That's really, really good in most places yeah. that run black. Um, yeah, I mean. Card draw for me in Kakusho is difficult, so like this would right. be an automatic feed in that. In this deck, obviously, the card draw is going to be huge. You're probably going to have a lot more blue card draw. I'm not going to talk much about that, mm -hmm. but like you're going to have all of that in there. But this feeds in there great, and it's an enchantment, which we've talked about at nauseum at this point, are kind of hard to remove. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's going to sit here for quite a while. I was, I was pretty excited about this at an uncommon. Especially for like 26 cents. Like, yeah, I, think yeah. it, no, like I wish like if it was going to be... I wish I could change this card such that it costs two to cast, but the activated ability is only one. Oh, that would be awesome. Instead of one and two. Yeah. But, I mean, that but, makes it, it makes it a little bit more fair, but I mean, here's the thing. How often do you see an uncommon that costs under 50 cents and is cheap enough to cast like turn one? Yeah, one right, right, right. You can activate it many times potentially mm -hmm. in a turn. I mean, very rarely do yeah. you get like the boom, boom, boom. It's and like, then you get multiple effects. It's a game yeah. life and a draw card. It's not one or the other. And and like to your point, uh, like even Viserysir is four bucks or something absurd like that. Yeah. Like Phyrexian Reclamation is four dollars. <laughs> so I think that's a really good point too, right? And uh, yeah, play more Vampiric Rites. The card rules. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm we'll be the ordering door. one this evening. <laughs> okay, so gotta have some fun on the last one. This might be the only deck Never. this works in. This is called Hecatomb. Uh, <laughs> That's H-E-C-A-T-O-M-B. Pardon? H-E-C-A-T-O-M-B. Wait, is this a Delve guy? No, I'm thinking something else. No. So this is uh, one colorless, two black enchantment. When Hecatomb comes into play, you may sacrifice four creatures. If you don't sacrifice really Hecatomb, then tap and untap Swamp you control. Hecatomb deals one damage to target creature or player. So you get this onto the board, you sacrifice a whole bunch of things, and you utilize that to trigger your commander four times off all the sacrifices, pay four mana, draw four cards, put this out there, and then every time you tap a Swamp going forwards, you can use that if you want to, to tap it and deal one damage to target creature or player. I like that. So I want to put this in the right. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> there's a lot of turns where I don't. I yeah, you're like, no, I got nothing. This comes in 0% so, yeah. of decks on EDH. Really? Zero. total decks. <laughs> As someone who abused uh, Koth of the Hammer for his ultimate, this this card speaks yeah. <laughs> It just gets me right here. I did not know this card existed, and... Um, I'm going to try to find at least one home for you. <laughs> no, this is great. Uh, best best one yet of the bunch. I've never heard of it. I'm, I'm all on board. Uh, and so the only other thing that I would mention you would probably want in a deck like this, especially with this Hecatomb. <laughs> Hecatomb? Hecatomb? Uh, and, I don't and know. And it's only sitting at $1.70. It, it's, it's interesting. It's a well-known card in the groups that know about it right but it's not a widely known type you could call thing. it a well-kept uh, secret indrek sar master breeder oh it's sure. the guy that makes the thralls yeah right, right so right, yeah. whatever you cast a creature spell put x11 black thrall creature tokens on the battlefield where x is that spells convert a mana cost and then whatever you control seven or more thralls sacrifice indrek sar master yep. breeder so I actually have one of those in my binder so, so everything good. i've kind of heard that you've described this deck would be is a lot of obviously sacrifice stuff that's what black right. does so you would always be able to have your thralls 
sack them mm-hmm. to oh, do yeah. all these different yeah, value absolutely. things. And it's kind of like free tokens. Yeah, right. And then at that point, your opponents, you're giving them the modality of, do I deal with the commander? Do I deal with the Endric? Do I deal with the thing that they're getting the value from? I don't know which thing. Right. I don't have removal for everything. What do I actually do? And then you hit him with a hecatome. <laughs> suck it, suck it. it. Hashtag suck it. Hashtag blast it. Hashtag rigmarole. Hashtag face. Oh, hashtag jam a cat. With that, squee Ooh, out. Cat. Kicking it back to the Action Forward News Desk with Mr. Combo, the GOAT, and Big Tuck. Thank you for staying with us, and as always, remember the great giveaways from CMD Tower and Level 1 Game Shop by retweeting, subscribing, following, liking, sharing, goading, and placing orders <laughs> through level1gameshop.com. Also, another way to support your new team is head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Tower. With the reward tiers for all the budgets, there is a way that you, the collective, can help. You can stay in touch with your MTG Action 4 news team by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and our website, CMD Tower. You can communicate directly with your news team at CMD Tower, at Mr. Common Number 5, all spelled out except for the 5, at Dare Squee, at Big Tuck Tweeting, from your MTG Action 4 news team. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good goat. 